1: What
2: difference at this point does it make? Oh,
1: shut up. If you've got health insurance, you can keep it. You like your health care plan, you will keep your plan.
2: If you've got health insurance,
0: you like your doctor, you like your plan, you can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan. I'm as bad as hell, but I'm not going to take this anymore. Let's get it started. Let's get it started in here. Let's get it started.
3: Welcome yes. to the first program of the 2016 year of the Unite IE Radio Show. My name is John Hancock, and I'm here with my co-host, Don Dix and Greg Brailden. Hey, Happy New Year's, guy. Welcome back to the show. Happy New Year to you guys.
4: And let's make it a great year. It's uh, going to be a wild ride. We have no doubt. And in our show today, we're going to talk a little bit about
3: what 2016 might hold for us? Let's see how much trouble we can cause this year. A- Amen. I'm I'm up for that. Yeah, you know, and talking about 2016, we have a special guest today. We have John Sullivan, who was a co-producer or, uh, executive producer and co-writer of 2016, um, Obama's America, and he's going to be here sharing his thoughts on 2016 and some of the the um, pro- programs or projects he's working on and what's coming up new and. And what's basically going on it, with the movies, such as Gosnell and some of the other projects that he's been working on. So, John, welcome to the show.
5: Hey, guys, thanks for having me on.
4: What a privilege to have you with us, especially the first show of 2016, since you were directly involved in the movie 2016.
6: Talk about spot on accurate in a <laughs> prediction, the movie 2016.
5: Yeah, you know, if we would have known Obama was really going to follow our script so closely, we would have written it much differently. Believe me. <laughs> um, if we would have known all the things were going to transpire, that we would have, you know, we would have written a very, very different, uh, you know, him reducing the debt, him allowing the Second Amendment to prosper, things of that nature. Um,
4: well, let's let's start there. What were some of the things that you guys said in 20 when you were working on the on the project? Uh, there had to have been a couple of things that you said, ah, this is just can't come to pass. But, you know, give us the bigger picture. What what has actually happened that 2016 foretold?
5: Well, I think the biggest thing that, you know, I would say that we were getting criticized for um, in the movie early on by people that said, "Oh, you're just crazy about this stuff." Was Basically, the rise of ISIS. We didn't call it ISIS at the time, but we talked about the caliphate moving through uh, the Middle East and how that would come to arise, um, and that Obama really would do nothing to stop it at all, and actually would kind of allow it to happen and, and soften it through their foreign through the foreign policy. And we've seen that happen exactly. Um, so from that one, I think that one was dead spot on, and people, other people, were kind of missing that. Um, you know, and it's it's still going on today. I mean, that's the other thing too. Is you're going to have some. I think in 2016. You've got to watch the Middle East, um, particularly Saudi Arabia and um, some of the other monarchies um, that are there because uh, they're in some real trouble coming up um, as radicalized Islam erodes away their kind of power. They've been kind of the strongman in the desert there. They're going to be eroded down. You could see a Saudi Arabia fall. Um, That's something I think very possible to see in 2016.
4: Wow. Other other thoughts from that movie that... Uh, Greg, Greg has something.
6: Well, that's true. And, and the, the Saudis have enemies, not only the uh, ISIS and the even more fundamentalist uh, Sunni Arabs, but they also have an enemy in Iran, b- both mm-hmm. of which would like to see that monarchy overthrown.
5: And, oh, exactly. And then, so I think those two forces together, like just saying, so, so the Salafi Wahhabi, um, rise within the Sunni part of it, um, and then along coupled with a rise in Shia power in Iran and and some other neighboring uh, countries putting pressure, um, I I think Saudi Arabia is kind of in a position that if if that falls too, I think you see kind of a lot of the rest of the Middle East. That's been what, you know, quote-unquote moderate um, for the last 60, 70 years has been, uh, falls with it, and and then ISIS just runs rampant at that point in time.
3: Well, you know, and this might sound extreme or crazy but one thing i noticed is you know when you had this democratic revolution in iran right after um obama became president he sits back he does nothing he says we aren't going to interfere with the internal struggles of a country but then turns around and, and basically he he leaves the extreme muslims in power there but then he turns around and takes out Gaddafi, who really wasn't doing anything to anybody. Uh, we, we, we had him under he our had become, control.
6: He had become a friend and, and was cooperating right. with us.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and then, of course, and then, then the same thing with, with Mubarak. He took him out. So he took out... And both of these guys were... I think um, Mubarak would be more of a secular leader, and Qaddafi used Islam, I think, when he when it was politically expedient for his purposes. But I don't think neither one of them were extremely devout, and it just seemed kind of strange to me when you look at that track record, how he would not support a democratic revolution against a, an Islamic country led by islamicists but yet he would turn around and really with no justification at all remove basically secular leaders and and in most cases they were replaced by islamicists
5: yeah i think part of that you have to look at john is is within his colonial mentality or his anti-colonial mentality which we highlight quite a bit in the film um so within the Iranian situation, you had the people kind of overthrowing our strongman and the Shah of Iran um, in that situation. The same with Mubarak and with Gaddafi is both of those were military coups that kind came- came into power. So those were not, in Obama's eyes, those are not people's revolutions. So that's part of the reason why I think he has a totally different mentality in Iran um, versus the mentality he takes to Libya and to Mubarak, um, and kind of sits back in that sense. Now, in both cases, I mean, those are disasters. I mean, you know, uh, Egypt has become a, a, a very dangerous place um, in that sense. Libya, far more dangerous than what happened with Benghazi. Um, and us then gun running into Syria and everything else that happened through that only allowed ISIS to get stronger. Um, and uh, not that it's my movie, but one movie I encourage people to go see. I haven't seen it yet, but I've read the book. And if they stay true to the book, um, it'll be a very good movie. Is 13 Hours in Benghazi, which comes out in Jan- uh, this month. Um, so, I mean, we need to keep this in the news cycle. We need to keep talking about it, um, that our State Department was involved in this um, and basically ran guns into Syria. Um, on this. It's very well documented at this point in time. Um, but, you know, with Libya falling, it became even a more dangerous situation and allowed um, a ra- more radicalized Islam to co- coalesce in that sense.
6: Let's take a pause right here and hear from our sponsor for this half of Unite IE Radio, Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. More with John Sullivan. Back after this.
2: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lenders. It's all but certain now that we are about to see interest rates begin to rise after several years of being spoiled with historically low interest rates. But don't panic. It's not the end of the world. What it does mean is that if you've been thinking about the purchase of a new home, the purchase of a vacation home or investment property, or if you don't want to buy but you need to refinance the home, you have to lower the rate, remove the mortgage insurance, or to pull out cash to pay higher interest, higher payment, credit cards, auto loans, or student loan debt. Or if you're a senior and have been considering looking into that reverse mortgage thing that everyone seems to be talking about lately, then call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I'll run the numbers for you and let you know what all your options are, the pros and cons of each one, and help you steer towards a decision that makes the most sense for you and your family. Once again, the number is 855-640-2020, or get me on the web at wccloans.com. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays at nine thirty a.m. and nine o'clock p.m. and Sundays at four o'clock, right here on AM five ninety, The Answer.
0: AM five ninety, The Answer. Let's get it
2: started. Let's get it started
0: Welcome back to
6: Unite IE Radio. We are so pleased to have our in our first show of two thousand sixteen, the producer and co-director and co-screenwriter for Dinesh D'Souza's movie Twenty Sixteen. And we were talking a little bit in the last pre- segment about uh, Obama's mindset. For, those, any, for anyone who has not seen the movie, how is Obama different than your average far-left liberal Democrat?
5: Uh, well, I think the, the biggest thing is he's got this, what is called an anti-colonial mindset. And he kind of gets this from his father. But it also comes from Valerie Jarrett um, very closely, too, in that sense. Um, and basically what happens with an anti colonial mindset is you, you kind of look around the globe where, you know, we would see American interests in, in setting up something overseas and kind of helping stabilize the situation. That is seen as, as actually the most evil thing we can do. So what you start to see is somebody who's pretty complacent, or as Obama said, leading from behind in that situation to where, you know, they're going to look to diminish the U.S.'s footprint around the world, which, you know, leads to – I would say the world being a less safe place than a more safe place. So as we see that footprint shrink, um, we see our influence shrink, things of this nature. It's a removal of U.S. influence um, because that's seen as imperialistic or colonial um, in that way. So if you were to look at a Bill Clinton, um, you know, even though he's a strong Democrat and everything of like that, liberal Democrat, I would still say Bill Clinton had the U.S.'s interest in mind foremost, where in this situation, it's more about reducing the U.S. than trying to um, increase its influence.
6: Does Obama, some people said it, does Obama hate the country?
5: Uh, I, 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 I think he does. I mean, I think he, he legitimately is looking to, but in his mind, he looks at he's being a corrective to the situation. Um, he's looking at the fact that he is the antidote to what has been an out of control system um, the American ideals and values that we hold dear yes he does not see those as positives he sees those as negatives but he would see himself being a good influence and, and force of, of a system that needs to be capped
6: tell us about your movie America if you haven't seen that movie and, what, and, the, and the basic message you're trying to convey in that movie
5: yeah with Obama you know this kind of whole uh, progressive leftist and really the anti-colonial kind of message that you know America needs to be restrained America is the bad guy um, and this really is widespread on all the college campuses now um, you know I went to college almost 30 years ago and uh, from that standpoint you know you'd encounter two or three professors along the way there but it wasn't so ingrained in everything with America what we wanted to show and counter was this narrative that basically America America's wealth is basically stolen. Um, it didn't come through innovation, it didn't come through you know, free trade, it didn't come through hard work, but basically the, the narrative that's being out there is we've gained the system and we've basically been stealing from the foundation um, of the founding of America, and even before, to be honest, with the um, European colonization of America. So f- from that tam- time forward, America has basically been stealing wealth from people um, in one form or another.
3: And I kind of document that in my new book, um, Liberty and Prosperity, along the same lines going how it was the principles that developed and made this country wealthy. But, you know, it's real interesting that you bring up um, the education system, because in your movie Expelled, in which you um, talk about basically how um evolution is is taken and is the the do- dogma in the sciences now and if anybody speaks out against it or takes a different lines no matter what their credentials are they are basically pushed aside and and they're um you know just made they're, they're marginalized marginalized and you know we are seeing that throughout now in, in history departments and economics even um not only the sciences throughout the academia if you don't hold the party line you 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 lose your job or you or you're marginalized,
5: no absolutely, and I think the place that should be the freest place in all of the the country you know the college university campus for exchange of ideas has become the most fascist place um, on the the in the country and totally agree with you, John on that and expelled if I had expelled to do over, I would do exactly that. I would demonstrate how this goes on in, in all these different departments, not just we we chose the science department um, as one example, but you know we could have gone back through. On multiples, if you just said, even in history um, and even in economics and things of of these days, things that you think would be more free market or business classes, um, everything. If you don't toe the party line, if you're not in sync, and that's what I was kind of saying earlier, is look at the the, um, academics uh, and and schools have become so far to the left, Um, and you have to look at it. You know, the professors of the 70s, or the students of the 70s are now those professors, and their students are now becoming the professors. We're now into a second generation of this. So you have to look at that and say, look, we've lost, there's been a long march through our universities of almost 40 uh, plus years of this, and we've had little bits and pieces of stemming that tide, but we really haven't done anything to take a, a long institutional look at that and stem that. And that's been part of the problem.
6: You know, that's an interesting phrase, Breitbart used that phrase, that there was a long march not only through the universities, but through all of the cultural institutions in our country and in Western civilization by the left.
5: No, absolutely. We see it in, I mean, I see it in media more than anywhere else, because that's where I work. Um, but, you know, uh, you, there's basically two major cultural forces. Once you get outside the family and the peer group, and it's all kind of like interacting together. But once you get outside of the, uh, the family, and then you get outside of the peer group for people, you have two major cultural um, enactors uh, that are happening, and, and one is media. Um, which is billions of dollars are spent every year on that, and the other is education, which multi-billions of dollars are spent on that. So you have these two things kind of working in tandem to reinforce each other. Um, so there is no counter-narrative really being told out there um, you know, with any effectiveness. Uh, and it has been systematically kind of, as just said, a long march, and Andrew was right, it's been through all these institutions.
3: when. And of course, you've you've done your movie. You mentioned 2016. We, we mentioned America. Of course, you have Gosnell coming. How important or of a role or impact do these movies play in being a mm-hmm. counter to to what, what what could could be called mainstream? Oh, what is, tell us what tell us what
6: is Gosnell? Any people uh, yes. may not know that name.
5: Um, Gosnell, uh, it comes from Kermit Gosnell, who was an abortion doctor in Philadelphia, um, who's now serving life uh, in prison uh, for the merger of several children, um, and uh, a woman named Karnamaya Monger. Um, and we, we were able to kind of raise money in a crowdfunding uh, very successfully. We, we went to the kind of the public and said, look, it, if the media is not going to tell the story of Kermit Gosnell – Uh, We think we can do that. And we got 28,000 people to put up $2.3 million. And we went out and made the movie about this this last year. And uh, we're just editing it now um, and finishing up on the edit and looking to have it out in 2016. And uh, it tells the story. It goes into the police officers and the DAs and kind of it's like a Law & Order episode to where we go through all the details of what this man was doing. And ABC called him, you know, the uh, biggest serial killer in in American history, Uh, bigger than John uh, Wayne Gacy, um, bigger than um, Ted Bundy, um, any of these guys, um, Ed Gein, any of it. And so from that standpoint, you know, you have this guy marching along for almost 30 years doing illegal abortions in in West Side, Philadelphia. Um, And who knows, countless thousands of children. Maybe tens of thousands of children that were lost um, at this man's hands.
3: Do we get an answer to your question, John? Well, no. Yeah, but this is really important because you you do a lot of crowdfunding, and I want people to understand how important it is to support movies like yours because. This is the counter to what is being taught in in, in the institutions, in the school, in the the mainstream media. Um, So, you know, how much of an impact are these movies making and how important is it for people to continue to support projects like yours?
5: Well, they're very important because there really isn't a counter. There isn't like a a conservative or right of center studio um, here in Hollywood. It isn't like I can just walk into Sony or uh, Paramount and say, hey, guys, I want to do this um and even some of the movies that have been made have only been made because of uh you know director's passions like american sniper was really only kind of made because of clint eastwood um in that sense and there's very there's one clint eastwood in this town that can get that movie made same thing with 13 hours in benghazi it was michael bay who's has transformers and everything else wanted to make that movie um so if these guys don't want to make that stuff our side of the equation doesn't get told unless somebody like myself comes in. And you look at, you know, I'll be very candid. I mean, 2016, we made for about $2.5 million. I uh, ended up making almost uh, $33.5 million at the box office. And I think it had a real direct impact of informing people um, who Obama was going in. Um, you know, there were some groups that did polling on it uh, outside of us. Um, to look at the impact it was having on people, as to how they would actually vote at the box or vote um, after seeing the movie, and it had a major impact. Where almost fifty percent of the people who saw the movie, who were independent or Democrats, were changing their vote um, uh, away from Obama because of seeing the movie. So it can have a massive impact. So if you take you know eight million people seeing that movie and basically fifty percent of them being Democrats, you know, that's four million people. That's two million people hmm. being impacted in that situation. So you can say I actually did more in Karl Rove um, in that election cycle. Um, but yeah, that's it's not very hard to do. That, no, that's true. Um, but I didn't have four hundred fifty million dollars behind me either. Um, but. For us, it's very important people come out and see these the opening weekend because that tells theaters to keep this in, that people want to see it. Um, You know, with America, um, it kind of just marched along. And then right in the middle of it, we also had the Costco thing that happened with Dinesh's book, where Costco had removed the America book um, right as the movie was coming out. And, you know, that led to a huge publicity uh, storm and actually a bit of a surge in the movie uh, kept it around. But, you know, the bigger impact was. Thousands of people were sending in their, their Costco cards to Costco, cutting them up and sending them in. Um, you know, and Each Costco membership uh, is worth about $5,000 a year. They how people spend $400 a month at Costco. So you have 1,000 people. That's $5 million being wow. sent into Costco saying, hey, you're not going to support this. I'm not going to support you. Um, That's how our free market works. So on the positive, that's the negative side of it. But on the positive side of it, you can support movies um, like America, like Gosnell when it comes out. Um, These types of movies, they need to support because there is no counter. There is no studio that's going to come in and say, hey, we really want to make this. Um, It is totally the the other side of the equation. We are speaking
4: Um, to John Sullivan. He's producer, director of movies such as America, uh, The Silence of Patton, Japan, Searching for the Dream. Okay of course, unfair, exposing the IRS. We'll be back after this break with some of John's thoughts about 2016. After we take this break in a word from our sponsor.
6: Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the great Patriot sponsor of this show and the Unite IE Conservative Conference. More with John Sullivan back after this. Hi,
2: this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lenders. It's all but certain now that we are about to see interest rates begin to rise after several years of being spoiled with historically low interest rates. But don't panic, it's not the end of the world. What it does mean is that if you've been thinking about the purchase of a new home, the purchase of a vacation home or investment property, or if you don't want to buy but you need to refinance the home you have to lower the rate, remove the mortgage insurance, or to pull out cash to pay higher interest, higher payment, credit cards, auto loans, or student loan debt, Or if you're a senior and have been considering looking into that reverse mortgage thing that everyone seems to be talking about lately, then call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I'll run the numbers for you and let you know what all your options are, the pros and cons of each one, and help you steer towards a decision that makes the most sense for you and your family. Once again, the number is 855-640-2020, or get me on the web at wccloans.com. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturdays at 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at 4 o'clock right here on AM 590, The Answer.
0: AM 590,
4: The Answer. ah, Welcome back to Unite IE Radio. We are very privileged to have John Sullivan, who's a producer, director, co-writer of movies such as... The upcoming movie, Gosnell, America's Biggest Serial Killer, uh, other movies such as Unfair, Exposing the IRS, and, of course, America and 2016. Uh, Right before the break, we were beginning to get into a thread of conversation about your movies. 2016 probably ticked off a few people in the White House. Just wondering if that movie and some of the other things that Dinesh did— possibly had any impact on, uh, you know, them digging up this uh, charge of campaign finance fraud or or whatever you would call it and uh, landing him in, in, in prison. What kind of influence do you think that that may have had?
5: Oh, I think it had no influence at all. I'm being totally sarcastic there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There goes that segment. It had had every influence in the world. I think that you know we we had gotten word back from somebody in within the White House who who said that he was furious about this, Um, even during the campaign of 2016. For the movie, when it was out, you know, the Obama, uh, for a president, a sitting president, to attack the movie, which he did through his website, barackobama.com. And, you know, they came out and they kind of had spurious charges that this was not right and that was not right. And we counterbalanced it all. But, I mean, we know, I mean, after the investigation that Dinesh was followed by the FBI, phones were tapped, all these things had happened. Wow. Um, And then when this kind of straw donor situation happened, I mean, Dinesh will readily admit he did something wrong. Um, He didn't really understand the implications of it. He was actually just kind of in a furious pace. He he will not dismiss the fact that he had responsibility in in any way, shape, or form, but I think when you look at what he's been put through versus what other people have been put through that have had the same charge, but much higher, like people have done this for a million dollars and they're basically let off on probation. Um, and, you know, Dinesh had to live in a halfway house, so he had to check in every night at like 7 o'clock and he'd be released, at, uh, I'm sorry, at 8 o'clock, and then he was released at like 6 a.m. every morning. Um, and he's been uh, required to do extra probation and community service hours. Um, so, from that standpoint, yeah, they definitely went after him as much as they could uh, in that way. And for myself, you know, it's definitely a scary proposition to be in when you kind of do these movies. Like you mentioned, you know, I've done another movie on the IRS. Um, you know, it's something I'm always kind of watching my back on and, and looking at how, how somebody's going to come after me. Um, but I think it's important enough that these movies get out there. I feel it's my patriotic duty, if you will. Um, if nobody else is going to say it, then, you know, I feel like I've been put in a position to, to make an impact and do something. No doubt. It's, man, a, you it's, a,
6: it's a sad commentary on America that people have come to the point where it's a joke that if you say something against the administration, that uh, you're going to get audited. But that's, that's true, and it's become a joke in the country to that effect, and that's a sad commentary. The
4: joke is how much Obama has weaponized the IRS and these agencies against right. their so enemies.
6: You will have more with John Sullivan in the second half of Unite IE Radio. We're so pleased to have him with us today. And after the news and weather, back after this. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio. What is that annoying sound? That is the glorious sound of
4: bagpipes, John. And since we still have John Sullivan on the radio, and he's, he's got an eye for filmography and uh, you know production, we, it's time to scrape the scab off of something that has been irking me for two years. I have been a proponent at our Unite IE conference, which, by the way, folks, is coming up on March 19th of this year, so save the date, that we should have, during one of the breaks, a legion of bagpipes come in, because there's nothing, in my opinion, like mm-hmm. the sound of bagpipes, that gets people and emotion stirred. And I've been fought by Greg and a couple of other people tooth and nail. So let's resolve this right now with someone who is, uh, profesh- has a professional eye for flair and for connecting and for creating emotion. John Sullivan, do we or do we not have bagpipes <laughs> at the Unite IE Conservative Conference in March of this year?
5: Well, I have to give a personal anecdote here. You know, coming from a name like Sullivan, I have like strong Irish heritage, um, Good. and Scottish Good. heritage there. I like it. So, I actually had when I got married, all the groomsmen came into bagpipes. So, I would be a proponent of having the bagpipes there. It's a connection to Braveheart, and I don't know, maybe yes. play ACDC a long way to the top. Um, but it's, uh, <laughs> I would definitely go for the bagpipes.
4: Yes, I win. We're having bagpipes <laughs> at the United I E. Conservative <laughs>
3: Conference. It's Thanks settled. To John Sullivan. Thank you, John Sullivan.
6: <laughs> Well, that's, that's all the time we have for John
3: Sullivan today. <laughs> but one thing I'd like to point out is, um, you know, John Sullivan is a local boy. He was um, raised here in Marietta, not too far from south from here. That's right. And um, uh, went to school out here. So you were a local boy, you know, done good.
5: Uh, maybe, in, in some circles, yeah. Um,
6: uh, Local <laughs> boy grows out to be enemy of the state.
5: Yeah, there yeah, you exactly. go. Exactly. So, yeah, I went to Marietta Elementary School, went to Lake Elsinore High School. Uh, my freshman year, and my family moved uh, shortly after that. But, uh, yeah, I lived uh, my childhood in, out in Marietta before... I mean, I think the grand total population, if you counted the cows and everything else <laughs> and the horses, was maybe like 2,000 um, back then when we lived there. So wow! The, we moved out there when it was really the, the sticks, as they would call the boondocks.
4: So let's give you another opportunity to promote your upcoming movie, Gosnell. When when is yeah. the movie going to be? Uh, when do you feel it's going to be released? Is there a date yet, or what time
5: we're, frame? We're- Yeah, we're just getting out, Uh, we just got the movie edited now, Um, so we're just in that process, and then um, usually it takes us about six to nine months for kind of the whole distribution kind of mechanism to kick in, so we're probably looking in the fall of 2016, uh, is what we've got our eyes on, um, for people to see the movie, um, and for to have it come out, so, uh, um, and it, you know, we'll we'll, uh, keep you guys updated if it's going to come out in theaters, or where it's going to be available at, um, but, uh, and, and. You know, give you the website number, and, and people can get on our Facebook. I mean, uh, Gosnell Movie, uh, the Facebook or GosnellMovie um, dot com. You can look at either one and kind of connect with us there, which is great. Now I have
4: a personal axe to grind with you that you don't okay. uh, you don't know about yet, John. Um,
5: <laughs> right. You
4: you you tapped a couple of local celebrities for bit parts in this movie. Alfonso Rachel, uh, who yep. has Zonation, he does uh, move, he does uh, uh, short videos, politically oriented videos for PJ Media. Also. Another person, Anne Marie Morrell, had, mm, had a big know. part as a reporter, whom we know. I just want to know we we must have missed the casting call ourselves. How come? <laughs> where, why weren't you? Why wasn't anyone from the Unite Ie Coalition represented in your movie?
6: Don't call us, well, Don. I'm, we'll call you.
5: <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I thought I thought you guys the, the UI uh, IE jet didn't land in Oklahoma when we were filming, so I didn't ah, uh, okay see you guys there. So no, it actually turned out that Anne Marie um. Zoe came uh, through suggestion, actually, of the director, Nick Cersei. We were just talking, and uh, he said, what do you think of Zoe? And I was like, it's a great idea. Yeah, um, he, he and-
4: definitely looks the part of a cop. I mean, I'm looking at the picture on your <laughs> Facebook page right now, and if I saw that guy walking down the street, I'd have him pegged for a rubber shoe guy.
5: Yeah, and he does a great job in the movie. I mean, I've seen the performances and he he's really good and he really sells it and uh, it, he was fantastic to work with and Dean Cain plays the main cop, uh Woody, and uh he, you know, they have great chemistry on screen. That great chemistry off screen to be honest. Those guys got along really well. I mean, if for uh we all went bowling together and stuff when we were on uh out on production and those two just re- uh between uh, Dean and Zoe, they just really hit it off. Uh, and then Anne-Marie happened to be there in Oklahoma when we were shooting. And uh, ah. we got word to her, and she was able to stay an extra day and got, got her in.
4: Well, that is awesome. And, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier a movie, 13 Hours, coming up. That's going to be opening in theaters on on uh, the 15th. And I'm going to do a, uh, a little plug for our daily show. Jen and Don were to be doing a live broadcast from the premiere of that here in Riverside on the 15th friday the 15th uh which is michael bay bay's new movie and uh, since you brought it up in the first segment i just wanted to give a selfless plug for uh, <laughs> an event that's coming up on the 15th that people might want a calendar
6: now let's, let's turn to another topic is what do you see happening politically or not I even mean, not politically in 2016 how do you is, is is Trump going to get the nomination? Is he going to win the election? Are the Republicans going to hold the Senate? What do you what do you see happening?
5: Yeah, I think here's my and I'll go out there and I, a lot of people don't want to make predictions this early on. You know, you got Iowa coming up just around the corner, and really by March 1st, I think you have over half the delegates are kind of cast um, or apportioned. I think Trump's going to win. Um, I don't. I don't think anybody's held a lead this long um, and at this high. I mean, you could pretty much, you know, take all the candidates together on the, um, in the Republican primary, put them all together, and they still don't match where Trump has been. And he's held that and only grown. Um, you know, and he has an incredible populist. Um, appeal. I think you're going to actually see something uh, in this election where you are going to kind of see a silent majority where people may not be very vocal for Trump, but they'll go vote for Trump um, on this. They may not be the outspoken person that's going to go walk neighborhoods and all of that, but they will turn out and vote for him um, is kind of my prediction on that. And I actually think he's going to win uh, the November election. Um, I'll, I'll even go that much further out there. Wow.
6: Why, why is this guy who is referred to as a clown, as an extremist, and uh, every other label you could probably think of, why do you think he's going to win against presumably Hillary Clinton?
5: Uh, because he's a clown and he's an extremist, and uh, all the things people talk about. No, I mean part of it is—I mean, you, people discount. I really think people discount the power of media. This is a guy that's been on television ever since I was pretty much a kid. Be honest. I mean, like uh, he wrote the Art of the Deal when I was like 15 years old. Um, he's been in the media spotlight. Um, that actually matters a lot in in what it is to electability um, of how people perceive you in that. So, for many of Americans, they just see him as the Apprentice guy, the guy who's built a multi-billion-dollar um, empire, uh, been very successful in business, been able to kind of like, you know, push back when somebody like Rosie O'Donnell goes off on him. He pushes right back on it or anybody else. Um, so they see him as kind of like, in his words, a winner um, in that sense. I think the other key thing I kind of tune in on where other people I think miss is. I'm really keyed in on pop culture. I always have been, and it's been one of those things, like, I think you should have bagpipes at the U.I. Co- conference.
4: <laughs> Amen, but, um, John. Who asked you? <laughs> and, uh, but on this,
5: if you look at, like, how Jimmy Fallon treats Donald Trump, there's a bit of reverence with it. He's making right. fun of him to a certain degree, but there's reverence there. If you look what they've been doing with Hillary Clinton lately, Saturday Night Live, there's no reverence there um, in that sense. When they go after a Ted Cruz, there's no reverence there. So with Trump, there's a little bit of a love-hate relationship, but uh, they, they actually are treating him much more. Nicer. He always comes out the winner, if you will, particularly in Jimmy Fallon skits and stuff. Um, and that, to me, always is a sensibility of where we're kind of at within the media. Um, it's interesting. The thing it, is-
4: I was just going to say, it's interesting you say about the pop culture thing because in an interview recently, um, oh gosh, who was the guy that did all the telethons for muscular dystrophy? Jerry Lewis. Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Lewis. In an interview with Jerry Lewis, he said, "I respect him as a fellow entertainer." Yeah, I mean, so there, there's that pop culture link. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff.
5: No, And I think also, you know, we forget, I think the Republicans have always been in the sense to where they've actually been not good communicators. We had this pause in there where we had Ronald Reagan. And even though we kind of like always want to resurrect, you know, the ghost of Reagan. You know, Reagan was really an anomaly within the Republic. I mean, look, at you had to have Ronald Reagan come out and speak for Barry Goldwater. That's how bad the Republicans were conveying their messages, um, you know, if you go back into the heart party politics there. So from that standpoint, if you take away the Reagan years, we've been really dismal at Republicans kind of conveying their message out there. My dad was a Republican out of a Irish Democrat family, and uh, he always – uh, was proudly saying he was the first Republican. He always said, we're the party of ideas. I just don't think we're the party of expressing those ideas very well. And this is the thing that Donald Trump's populism, and when he comes out with these kind of, what almost are corny slogans, I mean, he's basically ripping off Reagan saying, make America great again, right? Because Reagan was like, make America great. So... In that sense, he's just basically coming in, and I think he's kind of a rehashed Ronald Reagan to effect that's really resonating with the populist. And blue-collar workers, you know, Mm -hmm. they want to see jobs return, manufacturing jobs return to America, and he's kind of promising that. So he's kind of going to this Americana um, and communicating that. The other thing is he's one of the only people that really feels like he's standing up, I think, for the middle class, Um, even though I think you have great people like Ted Cruz that are doing that um, and would do that. It feels like Trump's the only guy doing that, I think, for a lot of people. So I think he's giving voice to a lot of people that have that don't have a voice.
6: We are past time for this segment. Can we indulge you, John, for a, for one more segment with us? Sure, absolutely. Wonderful. Great. We'll have a message here from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car if you have an
1: accident, because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're on an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is all-star for over 20 years all-star collision and corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity they offer free pickup and delivery free estimates and they're approved by all major insurance companies they repair aluminum and fiberglass bodies with computerized frame straightening to get your car or truck back to factory spec perfection You'll have your vehicle back fast and in showroom condition, safety checked, washed and detailed, fluids topped off with a lifetime warranty on paint and repairs. So exercise your freedom of choice and call All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll at 951-279-9161. Mention AM 590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. 951-279-9161. All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. AM 590. The Answer.
0: Let's get it started. Let's get it started This is
1: Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock
3: on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Night IE Radio Program. We have our special guest, John Sullivan, who is a co-producer or director of 2016. And we're talking about some of the predictions or his thoughts on the upcoming year. This is the first radio show for 2016. And, uh, you know, he just went out on a limb and predicted that Donald Trump will win the primary and also... Go on to become president of the United States, which has got Greg very excited. Yeah, so Greg, you you have some thoughts on that?
6: <laughs> well, you know, I'm not totally locked into the guy, and I'm I'm a kind of reconsidering. Is this really the right decision? But something happened this past week that helped reinforce my decision. Donald Trump brushed back Hillary and Bill Clinton, calling Bill Clinton a sexual predator and a great abuser of women. And following up on that, liberal economist in the Washington Post, Ruth Marcus, wrote a column excoriating Bill Clinton's record with women and saying it's absolutely fair game. No other Republican could or would do that. I think you stumped John.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, John. You still there, John? John, are you there?
5: (laughs) Yeah. No. No. I I agree actually with that. I think that's part of the thing is like Trump is seen as this guy that's willing to go kind of what you know like look at I I can just say from, from experience in the 2012 election, part of why I think the movie 2016 was so popular and became such a connection point was because Romney wouldn't go after Obama. Um, and there was so much information there, it gave us a ripe field. And I think the same thing's here. With Hillary, there's so much information there. And kind of the establishment mentality is hands off, don't go after personal attacks on this. Um, and, and I think Trump's saying, you know, screw the rules or whatever you guys want to play with. This is how it's done. I'm a New Yorker, and this is, you know, you punch somebody in the face. And that's how it goes. And I think that's going to be Trump's style of politics, and he's doing stuff that is confounding what, you know, traditional kind of political insider, how you'd run an election, and it's gained a momentum.
3: Right, and, you know, and for us who's involved in politics, of course, we want to hear the policies, we want to hear the details, but— a lot of times it's just stuff like that is what a lot of the voters use to, to, to determine who they vote on. They aren't necessarily into the, the details, the, the, the minutia. They, they're like, you know, this, this guy makes me feel good, so I'm going to go vote for him.
5: Yeah, and just to put something else, like this is how like popular culture works too with people in some sense. If you went back and looked at, Marco Rubio gave a CPAC speech, and I think like 40,000 people looked at that CPAC speech. If you went and did, there was a TMZ thing where Marco Rubio went and rapped, did some rap stuff, and it was like three or four years ago. And I think it was like, at the time, it was like 225,000 people had looked at it. That's just the difference mentality. So you're going to have policy wonks, and that's going to be your 40,000. But popular culture is going to be like, here's Marco Rubio, a senator, probably people didn't even know He was, but here's a U.S. Senator laying down Tupac lyrics, and that's what. So we kind of forget that this is the majority of America. (laughs) right in the middle there and that's that's who they are so for him he's the miss america guy he's the apprentice and he's the guy who's willing to say what everybody's thinking but not willing to say
4: and to back up your point about this i was just looking at donald trump's facebook page versus hillary clinton's facebook page donald trump has twice as many likes his posts go absolutely viral compared to hillary's um, i mean he gets like three and four times the number of shares the number of likes and 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 it, and he he understands that in in a, in a very intuitive way, and I think that's you know helping him to get traction
5: no I would totally agree. And, uh, you know, sometimes he definitely sticks his foot in his mouth, but I think people will forgive that versus his, you know, being politically correct, which I think even, I'm finding even kind of middle, very middle-stream Americas are getting so tired of that um, in and of itself that they're willing to kind of accommodate him when he puts his foot in his mouth on certain things.
6: Here's my my one, my primary concern with Donald Trump, however, is that I think, at least thus far, he's been too off the cuff. And as president... I think you need to think things through before you say, particularly in an international front. I Obama got into trouble. It was a press conference, and he comes up with his red line on Syria. Is nothing that he had thought out, nothing he had talked with his advisors, nothing he had talked to the military leaders about. Is are we going to state this as a as a red line? It came up at a press conference without giving it much thought, and that would be my one concern about uh, about Trump is that he's a he's a little bit like that.
5: No, I would totally agree. I mean, that is going to be one of the concerns. I think also the fact that he has not laid out, kind of like John was saying, there's a lot of us that want to see the policies behind it. But I've just, again, I'm kind of giving a prescriptive element. I'm giving a descriptive element of what I see as kind of a cultural analyst of saying, I see Trump surging um, like no other candidate has. No other candidate's been able to match him. He's not fallen off. And I think he's only going to increase from here and not decrease. And unfortunately, I think the more you see a unstable... Uh, Foreign policy, um, if you see another San Bernardino-type attack, it's only going to make Trump surge even more in that sense um, on those types of things. Again, I'm not asking for any of that or or hoping for any of that, but I'm just kind of acknowledging it that – You know, the more the world feels scarier, somebody who feels like they're going to stand up for you as president um, is going to take that lead. And that's kind of what Trump's been stepping into.
4: Maybe in our last couple of minutes, uh, stepping away from presidential politics, any other thoughts you have about 2016? Uh, Any other things that you see on the horizon for for us that your work and your exposure to pop culture uh, portends for us?
5: Yeah, I think we're going to see, unfortunately, you're not going to see a lame duck um, Obama in office. I think a lot of people are expecting that. They're going to see him hitting the golf courses more and things of that nature. I think this guy is an activist. He's been an activist um, his whole life. Um, he's very shrewd um, in what he does, so you're going to see a lot of executive orders coming through um, that are going to be pushing a very strong progressive agenda um, that is just he's maintained all the way through. So don't expect him to kind of just sit back and head to the golf course. Um, I think you're going to see a move on guns in a very big way. Um, I think you're going to see a foreign policy that continues to allow the world to get it m- to a much more dangerous place uh, without any intervention there. Um, From that standpoint, and I think he's going to continue to use the Federal Reserve to kind of like just push through some really more onerous debt situations for us um, coming up. I mean, he's just never turned off the spigot there. So, um, again, I I just think you're going to see an activist Obama uh, and not a lame duck president.
6: But I'm sure with those strong Republican majorities in Congress, that'll exert a check on him. (laughs)
5: <laughs> well yes uh that would be a fantastic uh ideal i see a big dreams for twenty sixteen um yeah i I'm, yeah i just unfortunately you know, we haven't seen that kind of stand up um, to anything on this, whether it be in the Senate or the, or the Congress, um, and really check this.
4: John Sullivan, what a true treat to kick off 2016 with you as our guest. It's been an amazing time. It's gone far too quickly. Uh, once again, Gosnell, America's Biggest Serial Killer, is uh, your next movie. And uh, again, when do you expect this uh, movie to be released?
5: Uh, we're hoping for the movie released in the fall. So probably looking for the theaters, but it may come through another channel, either cable or a Netflix type of situation, but uh, looking for the fall. So, um, yeah, and I've, thank you guys for having me on. This has definitely been the best interview of 2016 I've done so far. I so. was going to say, this um,
4: has to be the best interview that you've done in 2016. <laughs> it's, it's our
6: best, too. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a treat to have you here, and uh, we hope that we can call on you to have you back throughout the year as the presidential campaign progresses and as your movie gets closer release.
5: Absolutely. Love to be back on, and just make sure those bagpipes are there in March.
4: We will, and hopefully you'll be a part of it. Maybe hey, that'd be great. Maybe we can even get you to lead him down the aisle. Yeah, Don just wants to wear his kilt. <laughs> That's right. All right, John. Have
6: a great day. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Guys. Happy New Thank Year. You. Now, a word from our sponsor for this half of Unite IE Radio: All Star Collision, the place to take your car if you have an accident, because
1: they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. When you're on an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All Star. For over 20 years, All-Star Collision and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. They offer free pickup and delivery, free estimates, and they're approved by all major insurance companies. They repair aluminum and fiberglass bodies with computerized frame straightening to get your car or truck back to factory spec perfection. You'll have your vehicle back fast and in showroom condition, safety checked, washed and detailed, fluids topped off with a lifetime warranty on paint and repairs. So exercise your freedom of choice and call All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll at 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. 951-279-9161. All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161.
0: AM590. The Answer.
4: Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program. My name is Don Dix. I'm with Greg Britton and John Hancock, my co-hosts. And what a way to kick off the first part of the year, to have John Sullivan. Uh, What a great interview. This is definitely one that is going to be podcastable for the future, especially the part about the feedback on bagpipes. Now we know that bagpipes can be a part of the United States. I'm
6: going to ask Dan to edit that part out.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that was great. Thank you
3: very much, John Hancock, for helping to arrange that. you. No, stop! (laughs) Well, well, you know, it, it's just amazing how, you know, things work out because I was, um, you know, sat down, I was at an event with, you know, Avi Davis of the American Freedom Alliance passed away and we're trying to keep that organization going. Very sad end of the year yet. for for and you John and for the folks. John very much a member of that too and we, we we just started chatting and I'm like, you know what, are you doing anything because we'd love to have you on our show.
4: Yeah. Well, that was a good get, and uh, what a way to kick off the year. It's created a very high bar for future shows, so we're going to have to make sure we get uh, people of that caliber and beyond. Folks, if you want to become part of one of the most important movements that's unfolding in the Southern California for sure, probably across America, go to the United Inland Empire website, uniteie.com. We've got a map there of all the groups that meet throughout the counties. Uh also a list of when the groups meet a calendar and you can go to that and find groups in your area that you can become that you can get plugged into. You can become part of this because it's so important to get your voice. You can
6: make a difference, and you, yes. and you can make friends and have a good time along the way. And we had
4: a great time at the Christmas party. Right. We had some super speakers. We had Father Josiah Trenum. We had Bill Whittle. My only regret about that is, is that we didn't get a high-quality recording out of it, because Bill Whittle, I think, both of them, just hit the ball out of the park because we were fresh off, as you recall. December 2nd was the terror attack here in San Bernardino. December 10th, I think, was the event. So. right.
6: In our closing time here, I'm going to read something, and you tell me who said this. Today, we need a nation of Minutemen, citizens who are not only prepared to take up arms, but citizens who regard the preservation of freedom as a basic purpose of their daily life and who are willing to consciously work and sacrifice for that freedom. The cause of liberty, the cause of America, cannot succeed with any lesser effort. Who do you think said that? Well, I know, John. You take a guess.
3: Um... Well, I'd say like John Adams or Nope. A little more recent. Yep. This century. But uh well, the only other one I can think of would be John Kennedy. Wow.
4: Very good. Amazing. I'm impressed, John. That was a very good get, yes.
3: I had to do a double check when I read this. Uh you know, what uh, what political party did he belong to? Well, you know, that's old school Democrats, and if you read his inaugural address, it sounded like it could be a Republican saying that. Sounds like we could be saying this right. and
6: the importance of the, of liberty, but the importance of the citizen involvement in protecting right.
4: it. Absolutely. So go to the Unite England Empire website, uniteie.com. Uh, get on board with some groups here and uh, become part of the solution. Get off the couch, get engaged, get down on the field, strap on the uniform of conservatism and get a little bit of America. Dirty absolutely on behalf of myself the entire unite ie team and all the groups that are in the United Inland empire we wish you a very safe and productive new year